Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What's up, dude? How are you? Can you hear me? I got you loud and clear, yeah. Looking good, All sounding right. good. All right. You're not in your usual throne, though. What happened to the throne room? <laughs> <laughs> Is it different? I don't know. I thought you usually had like a huge red back leather. Like, oh no, this is the same. There you go. You're slumped down. Yeah, right yeah. Now. I can see it. It's yeah, more of yeah. a recliner job. Man, yep. I don't know about you, but this is just the craziest time of year. Like normally it's crazy anyway, but then you throw in just, you know, the current climate, quote unquote, absolute madness. How's your last couple of weeks been? Just chaotic. Yeah, I mean, it's not been, it's not been so bad really because it's like the anticipation of gifts or parties is, is so reduced. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Mi- and minimize now to where it's like nothing's really happening, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, and so you know I've just been wrapping up some work stuff, but really it's only just because I anticipate a lot of other people are gonna kind of wind down, but like I, I'm not, you know, like I got I you know the train keeps rolling, man, the rock don't stop over here, you know, <laughs> so um, so yeah, I don't know, it's it's been uh. It's been mellower than usual, I think, um, which I'm very happy about. I had a great chat with Zach the other day, so thank you very much for setting that one up. It was good. Of course, to 
I yeah. saw him out in Houston as well when I was out in Texas. I saw him, saw Phil. Um, I got to actually meet the rest of the the Black Label guys. I'd never properly met them before. It was a good time. Yeah. that's What were you doing in Texas of all places? So next year, touch wood, if it all goes to plan, um, Hot Wheels Monster Trucks Live is coming to the UK for a big arena tour, and I'm hosting the shows. So the company that owns it all, Mattel, um, they flew me and the guy that I'm co-hosting the shows with, Alex Baker, they flew us out to Texas, to Fort Worth, to see the show, you know, digest it, learn it, meet the team. So that was like the premise of the trip was work. And then I just kind of asked them, I said, would you mind if you got my flight back a week later, just so as I'm going all that way, I can use the time and, and you know, see some people, maybe record some podcasts and, and, yeah. and have a bit of a dos. So yeah, I went to like, Fort Worth, Austin. I'd never been to Austin before. The most amazing city out of South by Southwest season as well. So just kind of saw it for, for what it was, which is almost like LA, but just maybe even cooler. Here we go. First cat yeah. podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we get the two. What's the other one called, man, with the cutest face in the world, the black cat you've got? Oh, that's Jackie Daytona is the black one. <clears throat> and then I've got another one that looks like him, but it's, tuxedo and that's little champ <laughs> this this one is captain here so you've so. got three cats yep love it every day's cat yep. day in your house every day man so and this 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 one captain he loves being on zoom he's like oh you're on zoom i guess i better get in the mix well i had your old bandmate on john five recently right and he's obviously got oh, those yeah. egyptian furless things and his cat yeah. would like walk right up to the zoom, kind of check it out and then turn around to like, look at John and the view on his camera was just like the cat's butthole. <laughs> yep. You, you might, you might get that here as well. That, that def definitely happens. So you so. saw recently Michael Alago, uh, who is a dear friend of mine, an absolute legend in the music business and just a lovely man. Where does that relationship begin? How do you guys know each other? I mean, well, first thing, you know, what's fascinating is it's like a guy like that who I haven't seen in years, but then with the pandemic and everything, like I haven't been to New York for two years because of that. Right. So, so like you're running into these people that you haven't seen in years just because, and it's like, nothing has changed. Like, you know what I mean? Like on yeah. one hand you go like, man, two years seems like a really long time and then and then all of a sudden it, it's like that you know it's like that scene in the event horizon when they're it's the space time continuum that joins the the two worlds together or two sides together and it just becomes one and it's kind of like that it's just like to where it's like man this seems like forever when you're in the midst of it and now that i see you i haven't seen you in years it just feels like yesterday so yeah. um which is i don't know it's just kind of fascinating no real point but uh Michael Alago, that goes back to the 90s when I was in a band called Drown, D-R-O-W-N, in L.A., and he signed us to Electra Records, and um, that was like 93, I think. And, you know, a lot of my career actually spiraled out of that band, even though the band itself didn't do anything. Um, uh, that, that band, I met him, obviously, he signed us. 
Um, and then we were managed by a guy named Walter O'Brien and Andy Gould, who had a company called the Piranha Brothers. Amazing. And <laughs> and Walter O'Brien managed Pantera and, and Andy Gould managed White Zombie. So imagine that, dude, like White Zombie and Pantera management company in the early to mid 90s. Right. I mean, these were the two biggest bands of the genre at that, at that time. Yeah. And um, and so because of that, that relationship inadvertently became how I ended up in Rob Zombie's band, right? Because it was like they managed White Zombie. Rob came down to listen to our record when we were recording it. And then I think Michael organized something where it was us and Rob and, and Sherry. And we went to go see Nightmare Before Christmas in LA, like like opening, you know, opening weekend or something. And uh and so so anyway, so that's kind of how I met him and, and yeah, so it was this random sort of turn of events that all kind of led into my career that at the time, you know, I didn't have the foresight that that was what was going to happen or how it was going to happen. I thought the band that I was going to be in was going to be the thing, not everything surrounding it. Um, so it was kind of interesting really in a way, but you know, I run into him from time to time. And like I said, I hadn't been in New York in years. So whenever uh, I was there, we reached out and, and um, he gave me a copy of his book and hung out and had lunch and caught up. And it's kind you of exciting. Some photos like of you. I saw a couple of photos he, he took because he's a great photographer as well. Yeah, there's no escaping that. <laughs> and um, Does he roll up to me with yeah. the camera in tow? Does he like, Let's yes. Go. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and it's looking like he's thinking about getting back in the music business, which I find to be very exciting. Um, you know, I think that he comes from a time of people when A&R was an art and he's yeah. an artist of music and A&R. And, and I feel like there's not a lot of those dudes left. And the art of that is certainly didn't, transcend into future generations like we don't have we don't have people that have the the, the vision that he has um and so if that is something that is he's really serious about i'm i'm excited about the prospect of him getting in the back into the music business on some level well i'll give you an example of why he is that is um he was on my podcast with jesse leach recently stoked the fire and the minute we started the show he just started breaking down um, not even a Kill Switch record, which is obviously Jesse's main band, his, his side project band, Times of Grace. Michael just started talking about the album in a way which would put a lot of music journalists that I know to shame. Like he just instantly got it. And he was like, this is why this record is great. This is why you're who you are and, and why you're an artist and, and, you know, like a unique voice in this industry. And he just kind of blew us away, especially Jesse, who's obviously receiving, you know, this high praise and like well thought out constructive praise and you know guys like that as you say they just get the art form don't they in such a way that does align them with the artists themselves and as you say there's so few characters like that in the business side of things because you're obviously both as well you're an artist and a businessman so you straddle both and you get it and there's not many guys like you or michael left is there no man i mean you know like i said i mean people that don't know i encourage you to 
you know, watch his documentary or read his book. But I mean, a lot of the reasons, Matt, why we're even here to be able to have a conversation um, or to have met each other on tour is largely in part because of him, right? Because if he didn't sign Metallica to a major label on their second album and they didn't have the budget to create Master of Puppets and, and, and Justice for All and the Black Record moving forward, right? Like if, if they were just a band that ended up um, still on Megaforce Records they could quite possibly be just like this thrash band that we liked in the eighties, right? Like they may not be the most monumental, biggest rock band of all time. Um, and, um, and that's pretty fascinating to think about that. Like he saw that uh, on ride the lightning, you know what I mean? He saw that really and kill them all. He saw, he saw it then. Yeah. And well, even with dude, he them. said when he first yeah. saw them, they didn't even have songs. It was just like noise, <laughs> but right. there was something about them that was special. Right. You know, and um, so I think, you know, without knowing it, we all sort of owe him a debt of gratitude on some level that he brought those things into the world of our genre that were pivotal and, and, and revolutionary, really. I mean, in terms of, you know, like Metallica, sure, obvious, but like, you know, White Zombie even. You know, I mean, that was like, dude, they were getting played on K-Rock and stuff. And it was like, what, what, like, yeah. what, what is going on? And um, so it's, uh, yeah, dude, he's a legend. And so I, I look forward to him getting back in the business and seeing what he sees that maybe the rest of us don't see, you know, because it's like, dude, we need some clarity right now. I mean, because I was talking to him about it and I was like, Dude, when you were signing bands, the, the ceiling of where a band could go is limitless. And now it kind of feels like that ceiling is considerably much lower. Um, you know, there's not, a, there's not very many breakthroughs in that. And, and so I'd be curious, very curious to have his perspective on that and just be, and just be able to bring the next wave of, influential huge bands of this genre you know and and see if he could identify those it's you know kind of fascinating amen and he was telling me the story when i spoke to him about how he suggested jason newstead for for metallica at that obviously critical time when they lost you know the the legendary bassist um am i right in thinking that you were nearly in that conversation or were for a minute did i hear that right? i was I was minorly in, yeah, I was minorly in that conversation. The way that I remember that it went down was I was in a band called Cryptic Slaughter and we were signed to Metal Blade Records at the time. And, um, uh, and our, we had an A&R guy named William Howe and Lars called metal blade records because you know that that was the brian slagle metal blade records was the first label to put out a metallica song um it was song one side one metal massacre compilation record the first one the first edition um and so that was the first place anyone ever heard metallica was on that compilation record uh so lars reached out to william and metal blade and was like hey this is our you know you know our situation who do you recommend um on the roster that might be 
good to audition. Now, it, you know, coincidentally as well as Michael, but I think William probably suggested Jason as well because Flotsam and Jetsam was on Metal Blade at the time. Right. Uh, he called me, William did, and was like, hey, we got this call from Lars. Um, is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, I, yeah, I mean, of course, but, you know, it's probably a little far out of my league. And I think I had just cut my long hair to you know, to short hair at that point. Cause there we goes were, your opportunity right there. There One goes haircut. the opportunity, man. You know? So yeah. Cause that was that uh, time, wasn't it? Where it was like, unless you're head to toe sure. black and you've got long hair, there was a funny yep. advert in the UK. I'm not sure whether it was ever aired in the U S but there was an advert for like um, a detergent, right? A washing detergent. And basically there's like a band and they're all there in black. And one guy shows up for an audition because his detergent has like put in the wrong colors with the, you know, the black or whatever. So this guy turns up all in gray and they're just like, no way. And that was like a mainstream TV ad for washing detergent. That's how like, you know, <laughs> cemented that whole kind of cliche was at that time. It was like long hair, black clothes, otherwise get out. <laughs> otherwise get out, man. No doubt. Yeah. So yeah, I had, I mean, look, I, in hindsight, Jason was the right guy for the job. I, I, I think I was probably too young and um, too naive to have even been able to handle that situation, you know, at the time. Um, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I was I was sort of, like I said, minorly in the mix on that. Um, so. Yeah, that's my story. <laughs> that's, that's the toughest boots to fill ever as well, man. And Michael said, like, you know, and it's obviously been well documented how mean they were to Jason. And Michael's take on that was it's because they were young and they were inexperienced and they were grieving and they were taking out a lot of their pain and their hurt on this guy that had nothing to do with Cliff's passing, but he's just the guy there in his place. So, so like, that's not an easy gig, is it? You know, you talk about filling boots and obviously, you know, Jakey Lee with, with Randy, with the Aussie comparison, but I just feel like that Metallica one was just a very difficult time to be in that band. So you maybe dodged a bullet there, Blasco. It would have been very difficult. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that his perception of that is correct. Um, they were young, they were inexperienced. Um, the, you know, their future wasn't all the way cemented yet i mean you know i mean at that point i mean you got to think about that dude like they didn't even have a music video yet like the music video didn't come till one mm -hmm. which was newstead right like they didn't they didn't have like they weren't they weren't a huge band yet i mean they were but the, the, in terms of the type of band that they were but they weren't they weren't Metallica. mass appeal yeah. Yeah. yeah not quite not quite yet man you know so um yeah but dude you know fucking dude i loved i loved that band at that time dude i just went and was listening to and justice for all and puppets and and stuff for and like i haven't listened to those records in a long time and i just went back and started revisiting that stuff and it's like the songwriting is so crazy <laughs> you know like blackened and damage incorporated and dyer's eve and uh it's just like all like all the shit like i'm just like fuck this is why i love this band you know and um they were just so ahead of their time you know and uh anyway whatever that's my metallica love are you, are you gonna go to the uh 40th anniversary shows this weekend is that like a, an open gig thing or is it just a stream thing what's the deal with that i'm not really sure i don't really know i haven't i haven't 
you know, it's like the end of the year and there's so much crazy stuff going on. It's like, I can't, I, I didn't even give that much time, unfortunately. So, um, but now I got to look into it, but it does seem like it's a streaming thing. Well, you're probably best off just safe at home with the cats, mate. This is the other thing. Is if you want to enjoy Christmas, stay home, everybody. <laughs> That's definitely what's happening. Yeah. What's um, So Cryptic Slaughter, were they like a national touring act? Were they signed? Like how far? Because you were in that band for quite a while, right? Pre-Zombie. So what kind of level were they operating at? Yeah, that was my high school band. Um, it's crazy to think, you know, it's like, the, with the exception of Les, our guitar player, the rest of us were all in high school. Right. And Les was Les was a few years older, and he was going to uh, to college. Um, but uh, dude, we sent a demo tape to Metal Blade Records, and they sent back a contract, and we signed it, and we put out three records, and went on tour. By the time I graduated high school, um, and were your parents supportive of that? Were they cool with that? They totally were. Which, in hindsight, is totally bonkers, and because you got to figure this is. 1986 through 1988 no internet no cell phones you go on tour it's like you're you're putting some quarters in a payphone and calling home just to check in and maybe they picked up the phone and maybe they didn't you know like if if there was something that if there was something bad that happened like they wouldn't really know so um well also dude this was like satanic panic era wasn't it like i don't know if your family was in any way religious but like that was that time when metal music was still you know deemed to be the devil's music by certain people and it was dangerous and it was you know like outlaw music and you know there's a lot of criminals and ne'er-do-wellers that were in the scene and it was a crazy time especially it the was crossover a crazy stuff time. that you were doing with that band you know like suicidal tendencies bands like that that was like full-on gang shit it was a crazy time. And, and to kind of look back at it in hindsight, you know, we all ended up just fine. Right. Like, and, and, but we were so young and we were around a bunch of older dudes that were all on meth. Right. And we, and we didn't really, I don't think that we really, we were kind of too young and naive to really kind of, you know, because like we all lived at home with our parents, like, None of the bands that we toured with or that we played shows with or whatever, like none of them were as young as we are. Like they were all kind of just like, you know, just crust, crusty metal dudes, right? That yeah. just figured, figured it out or whatever, like lived in band houses or crashed on couches and, you know, whatever. It was just, it was like, it was a de degenerate bunch of fucking dudes, right? Mm -hmm. For real. And that influence didn't rub off on us in any way, which is actually in hindsight kind of amazing that um, that none of us ended up, you know, being shitheads. And uh, and but yeah, we did we did we did our thing and we graduated high school and broke up because we all had other interests and it wasn't like cryptic slaughter was a career choice. Um, and uh, and we all just kind of went our separate ways. And um, I, you know, pursued music. And being in a band and, you know, that, that ended up working out, I guess, kind of luckily <laughs> for me. Have you always been on that path since as long as you can remember? Like when you started getting into bands like Metallica and you're falling in love with music, did you decide quite early on, I would quite like to make a life out of this? If not a career, at least like a lifestyle and I'd like to be in this long term. Was that a bug? hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it was 1977 kiss destroyer was the 
the gateway drug into Sonic. everything else, right? ACDC, Black Sabbath, you know, fucking all the classics, you know. And then that then led into, you know, Metallica, Slayer, you know, all that, that whole new wave of British heavy metal, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, you know, all that stuff. And then that was sort of the next wave um, that I really got into. And that was the, that was the thing, like, for instance, you're seven years old and you get into Kiss. It's like, you don't even, you don't even understand, like, they're just like aliens from another planet, right? Like, you don't even understand that they're musicians. So not until like Slayer and, and stuff and Metallica, whenever you go like, oh, like I can pick up an instrument and I can do this, right? Like this is, this is what I want to do. And then you get in a band and start writing riffs and kicking out the jams in the garage with your bros. And yeah. And, and then it leads into a thing where you do a show for the first time and yeah, man. And then you somehow you get a record deal at 15 years old and you start putting out records. Yeah, man. I was, I was, I was bit very early on um whereas it quite you know quite possibly none of that shit could happen you know quite possibly like even if i was in a band i mean very possibly did i never get a record deal very possibly did i never even put out you know do a show very possibly can i never find four or five other dudes that wanted to do the same thing that i wanted to do right like you know who knows so you know i think i was just lucky in a lot of ways but that doesn't mean that i would have you know, got bitten with the desire to follow that through after high school. And, um, but yeah, it was just all I wanted to do was pursue being in a band and making music and stuff. That's, and, um, that's what I did. You know, that was my, that was my focus leaving high school. It wasn't to do anything else. Like I had the worst shittiest jobs in between gigs and bands and whatever, just to help what kind of stuff for- were you doing that help pay for things man i worked at the i worked at like used clothing stores i delivered packages like i worked i was like a bar back in a bar you know cleaning toilets here we go blasco second pet appearance sorry see that little guy yeah (laughs) and he's reaping havoc sorry i'm with you but so bar back is what like a kind of glass collector yeah that and and cleaning the mop on the floors and you know all that shit dude like and um, you know, working at clo- mostly working at like retail clothing stores, like that was sort of where I ended up the most. But like, like no, no career choice there. It wasn't like oh, like I, I can't Could wait to my sell to my next. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to sell my next you know set of pants. Um, and uh, it was always just something that was going to fill the gap in 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 the midst of my pursuit of rock and roll stardom. Um, and, um, but yeah, man. And then, and then at some point I joined Rob's band and then I kind of never really looked back since I'd, you know, had to kind of fill the gaps in from time to time, but for the most part, it's, it's been kind of, you know, music my whole life, really in some, in some regard, at least the, the path has, has been there and the pursuit of rock has been there the whole time. Well, dude, you just led you know, from the outside looking in, at least like a very blessed life. Yes. Um, and, and like yes. The, the evolution of your career is amazing to go back and read through. And like, so when you get the offer to join zombie, 
Is that a conversation you have to make with yourself where you make that segue from being a guy in a band to being a hired gun, for lack of a better word? Because obviously you're joining somebody else's project as opposed to like, you know, creating and evolving your own thing. So is that a conversation you need to have? Is it a long one? Is it an easy choice? Um, and then like going into it, well, we'll get to that. But like, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, do I want to do this? Was that a moment where you did stop and have to weigh up the options or was it is an easy clear cut let's go for this kind of decision uh it was easy and i had made that decision actually a few years before um so i cryptic slaughter was you know a band of guys and and then drown was a band of guys and we put out a record like i said michael Ligo signed us we were managed by the piranha brothers we were signed to electra we put out a record did a couple of tours and then got dropped because the record didn't sell. Um, maybe because the band wasn't very good or market. Who know? Who the fuck knows, right? Who who knows why some bands are more successful than others? But um, we weren't successful, so we got dropped. And at that point, I quit the band and I made the decision. Yeah, I, I, I like I literally made the decision of like I don't want to be in a band with other dudes anymore i would rather just be in a successful band that way i'm just given a set list and a time to show up and i can play songs that are already hits in front of people right that was people yeah right that was the goal and i actually (laughs) and, and, and and i actually said that out loud and that's and that's a thing that you can say out loud and quite very possibly it's not going to happen or i know people that have also said that out loud and have been hired by bands or artists whose music sucks or it just isn't their preference i should say um man like at the moment that i made that decision i joined prong and then when that was over, I joined Danzig. And then and then that's whenever I got the call to join Rob's band. And so 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 I mean you gotta think about it, dude. I make this decision of like I only want to play in other people's bands. And for bang, bang, bang. The, for for the long and the short of it, dude, I did I did prong, I did Danzig, I did helmet, I did Rob Zombie, and then I did Ozzy, right? And 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 like some of those things only lasted a few minutes, right? But still, that was that was my that was my goal, and I was able to hit all of those bands, all of which are all of my favorite bands. Yeah, <laughs> like, incredible bands, that, and like really like either hugely successful or hugely influential or both, but all incredible. Right. And, and honestly, too, like, dude, it, it could have it could have and it could have began and ended with prong. And I probably would have been pretty stoked because that was the first time I was in a tour bus. It was the first time that I toured outside of the United States. It was the first time that I was on European festivals. Right. It was the first time that I saw Japan and toured Japan. Like there was so much cool stuff that happened in that band in a relatively short amount of time to where if that's where it would have ended, that still would have been monumental. Um, And then it just 
continued on from there, which is fucking crazy. And blessed is the right word to use for that because that shit just doesn't happen. And, um, and I was, and I've been very fortunate to have played in all of the coolest bands, at least the coolest bands, I think. Yeah. And, um, and play with cool people. And, you know, that I made this mission and it actually happened. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's remarkable, I guess, in a lot of ways. And inspirational, man. And a couple of quick questions. So is that why we end up years later, 2021, with Prong out on tour with, with Black Label? Is that kind of, you know, you're repaying the favor in a way and keeping those relationships strong? Um, and then obviously Joey C um, was in Danzig for a time. So is that where you guys first meet? Um, and then obviously that leads to Zach Sabbath years later. And then obviously yeah, Ozzy and it's... Zach, there's like all these connections that come back around. And it's the beautiful thing about yep. music when it pans out in that way. It's all intertwined in every way because I ended up in prom because they were managed by Walter O'Brien too. So whenever they needed a bass player, I, I was on, I was, I was in the call sheet of dudes that we know that play bass. And, uh, and so that's kind of where it all started, right? Is like drown was nothing, but yet drown introduced me to Rob It introduced me to prong. And, and so the crazy story is, is that I do prong, but the tour that I did, the one of the only tours that I did whenever I was in this band drown was prong, the headliner, then clutch and then drown. And so you know, man, this this whole thing starts to spiral out of control. If you look at my life right now, I just you put could do the family on... tree, couldn't you? The heavy metal family tree. Man, you my, that would be interesting. I should do That's that. That's a book idea right uh, there, dude. Yeah, it is. And because it's like I put prong on tour with Black Label, I manage clutch now, you know, and, and the, that was from relationships from the mid 90s you know, that were, were started all because of this thing. And then me being in drown, you know, met those guys. And then here I am now I'm touring with, with prong and yeah, man, that's how, that's how that works. And, and God, like, it's all just one. Yeah. One kind of weird heavy metal tree. Um, and, and, and how that all connects the dots. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Obviously, you learned very early on then about the importance of management. Um, so how far along the road do you start toying with that idea as, as an avenue for yourself? Is that early on? Does it come later down the line? Is there a moment? It comes later. Like, I want this. Yeah, it comes later because really my my upward trajectory of hired gun bass player to dudes whose name is the band name, um, it just kept going and going, right? Like I was like, oh, yeah, seemingly there's no end until I did reach the top of the tree, which is Ozzy Osbourne. At that point, I'm like, wow, that I never I never saw that one coming. Right. I never in a million years that I never visualized myself as the bass player of the, the godfather of heavy metal. Right. Like ne- never I never I never visualized myself playing war pigs on stage with the dude. Right. And looking over and going, that's the dude. And this is the song, <laughs> you know. And but at that at that point is whenever I started managing because I knew that. I had reached the end of the road of hired gun, bass player, heavy metal guide to the stars. And, um, and so I was like, I don't want to be in a band forever. Really at this point, I don't want to be some 50 year old dude trying to figure it out and realize that there's nothing nothing there is nothing to figure out. Um, so I was like, well, I better, I bet this is the thing though, is that I knew that I loved music. I knew that I wanted to be enveloped by the energy of music and specifically hard rock and heavy metal. Like I knew that I didn't want to leave that world, but I needed to find my place in it other than bass player guy. And so I started managing and here we are, dude, I still do, you know, and it kind of just, it kind of just worked out. And, and, uh, but that was like, 17 years ago you know and um and and once again dude second time in my life i made this plan of like well i better have a backup plan i'm going to manage bands and i'm going to do that because when ozzy retires that way i'll have my backup plan already in place rather than scramble to try and figure it out and here we are dude i don't know dude i must have like some angel looking over my shoulder and guiding my direction because it's it's certainly nothing other than outside influence you know what i mean like it's a lot of luck but you know you can't luck isn't real right it's it's where like opportunity meets preparedness and i've had a lot of opportunities and i've been prepared for them but you know i'm prepared for a lot of shit and and everyone can be prepared for a lot of shit but you might not get an opportunity um, so I think I've just been really fortunate in that way. I think there's luck. I think there's divinity. I do think as well, it's right place, right time. It's who, you know, it's all these things, but yeah. it's also drive and tenacity and ambition and work ethic and all of those things you clearly possess. Um, yeah. who has been in your life, inspirational figures in that department? Um, 
without putting words in your mouth, someone like Rob Zombie, to me, like, you know, you look at now the fact his first big single is Dragula, right? The car in Munsters. And he's going on. Michael said when he, you know, parted ways with White Zombie for whatever reason, Michael seemed to just think it was just purely ambition and wanting to outgrow that thing. He was like, I'm going to be a successful solo artist. I'm going to be a filmmaker. He says all these things out loud, like you're saying. And then he becomes all of those things. Um, did you find him to be like an inspirational guy in that regard, like somebody with a grand plan, a vision, and a drive that if he says something, he's going to do it? And did that rub off? Absolutely. And and to your point earlier, so Henry Rollins, who is a huge influence uh, on me, um, he famously said, I'm not talented. I'm tenacious. And I really Love resonate. That. I really resonate with that. Um, regardless of that, I find him to be a huge influence for a number of, of reasons. Um, and I was able to meet him and interview him for a Black Sabbath documentary. And funny how all these things come around, right? So I go to his house to interview him and I was like, oh, this is the house that I recorded all the Rob Zombie records at because he, so Henry bought the house from Scott, the producer of all those early Rob Zombie albums. <laughs> so it's wow. like random it. how all this, sh random how all this shit is related, you know? And uh, anyway, but on the topic of Rob, yes. It, had I have never seen, have I, had I had never looked under the hood on that one and been involved and seeing um, his drive and 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 uh, multi sources of talent, right, and just his vision and how he can execute his vision on multiple platforms is overly fascinating and inspiring. Um, and I mean, he's such a good artist, art like art artist, and he's such a good visionary. And everything that he does is cool, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I mean, a lot of successful people, you know, that are popular, like maybe aren't, maybe don't do the coolest shit. Right. And, um, and well, it's yeah, he's one managed thing to retain his unique individual idiosyncratic outsider voice, hasn't he? But yet conquered the mainstream yeah. culture. Without a doubt. And it's like, you know, a lot of us don't get, a lot of us don't get to be successful by being cool. Um, and he's been one of, I think if I kind of take away a, a particular piece of, of inspiration or a source of inspiration, it's like, man, you don't have to sell out. Like you can, you can be into horror movies and make a career out of that. Mm. Um, and not to marginalize his success, but the fact of the matter is it wasn't like, he's like, oh, like I'm into horror movies, but horror movies aren't popular. So I'm going to do something else or focus on some you know, some other career it's like no dude it's like if you if, if what you do if what you do you think is cool you can make a career of that and fortunately for me like i i, I kind of took away from that and i was like oh i can do that too i can i can i can wake up every day and do cool shit or at least that's what i want to do um and, and, and I'm fortunate. I, I remember I was at a festival. I don't know why this particular conversation stands out because I'm sure I've had this conversation like 3 billion times. But I was, we were at a festival and I was talking to the singer of Amana Marth, 
and we got on the subject of it and I was just telling him, I go, dude, every day that we wake up as heavy metal dudes and we're able to pay our bills and mortgages and provide for our families and shit because of heavy metal, like, you don't, you don't know. Cause I'm like way older than you, but like, dude, this is, this is, this is a gift from the gods of, of rock and roll. Like at, at no point, at no point should this be real. Right. At, at, at no point should, should heavy metal be a, a, a career choice. And we are so fucking fortunate that we did make that career choice and that it worked out for us. Like every day we have to wake up and just thank the gods of rock and, and be honest and awesome with ourselves and do good work that represents everything and, and not take it for granted. Cause man, like what did we just witness, man, that it can be taken away from you. I mean, we never thought that to be possible. Right. But we, we just went through it. It's like, whoa, 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 what just happened? The rug came out from under me. I was pretty sure that thing was attached to the floor, man. Like what, what, like what, what do you, what do you mean? We can't do what we do. Um, and that was frightening. And um, so we gotta, we gotta inject double the amount of positive energy into this awesome genre and music that we all love. Like we got to, all of us that are, have careers in this business and in this genre, um, dude, we got to, we got to give back double time now, man, because we don't want that shit to happen ever again. (laughs) Mate, what a refreshing viewpoint to hear. And I align with that viewpoint wholeheartedly. And at this time when we are lacking positive energy like that, um, that is so refreshing and inspiring to hear, dude. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hell yeah. You won. Like anybody, as you say, anybody that wakes up, whether it's heavy metal or something else, another lane, right? Another creative field, whatever your passion is, if you wake up and you get to do that for a quote unquote job, then you've won. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is. I mean, I just use heavy metal as my example, but because that's your jam. Yeah. Th- that's my jam. But generally speaking, whatever it is that you are most passionate about um and and don't let anyone tell you that you can't make a turn it into a career even if foreseeably there isn't a career there that that even exists before it um so yeah man i just gotta say you just gotta fucking just gotta go for it but man if you get there don't take it for granted and 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 give back you know Give, give give back and like I said, now, man, we got to give back double time. Dude, you're the man. Um, who's the first artist you take on? Uh, what do you mean? As a manager? As a manager, yeah. Yeah, so the first real artist I take on is a band called In This Moment. Okay. And, yeah. and, and they were a band on MySpace that had like a three-song demo. And they had, but they had a lot of, they had a lot of followers and they had a lot of comments and, and, and seemingly people really, really liked them. And, and I was like, I, I get this. I see, I, I see what it could be. I see that it's a diamond in the rough, but I, but I visualize that there's a, there's people that dig it. 
Um, and so I met up with them. I signed them. I shopped them around. I got them a deal and I worked with them over the course of their, you know, sort of initial career, like their first three albums. Um, I oversaw them and did that. And second band I signed was Black Veil Brides, which was almost a similar situation, except for they were on, they were really successful on YouTube. Um, I, don't, I don't even think MySpace was a thing at the time, but they were really successful on YouTube. And so I was, I was looking at these opportunities at places where other people weren't. And I was able to kind of visualize the end game based on the fact that there was enough fervor in the digital space that made me realize that there was a fan base there or there was at least people to market to. And that I also visualized what it could be because both these bands were a bit of a, a diamond in the rough when it came to what was available at the time. But I could, I could visualize what, what how, what was going to happen and how, and how it was going to happen and how I was going to put the pieces in place. And then fast forward fucking 10 years and both the bands just finished a fucking huge tour together. Yeah. Um, and they're both huge, so, like within the realms of what they do, they're like the biggest, aren't they? Totally. And, um, and then, uh, and then somewhere in there, I picked up Zach and started managing him and I've been with him ever since. And, um, I recently picked up clutch, you know, during the, the pandemic and I've known those guys forever. And that's a, that's a, dude, I love those guys. And I'd, lo I'm, I'd love and to I'm, get, I'd love to get Neil on the show if he'd be up for it. He's amazing. Yeah. I think we definitely should do that. So hit me on the side for that. Cause I'll, I'll make that happen. Amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's been, um, it's been, uh, it's been a really fun ride and I'm fortunate to work with fans that I really love and fans that, um, and that I get to, that I get to wake up and, and work within music, uh, every day. It's fucking awesome. And still play and still rock. And still stages, play, you know? Yeah. Like the best of both worlds. Was that ever a decision where you thought like, I'm going to start managing bands. Do I keep playing? Like, do you feel like you need to, to satisfy that creative urge? Um, or would one day you perhaps just become the guy that only manages? Like, or do you feel like you need to be like a band dude is part of your personality and there'll always be that side? No, I do not feel that. Um, I, I, my, my thought was always that I was going to retire when Ozzy retires. Um, and that I was then going to then be management, be, you know, what, what then my thing, even though it is my thing, I mean, it's my full-time thing. I mean, dude, yeah, I haven't done an Aussie show since New Year's Eve, 2018 into 2019, right. We're, we're about to go into 2022. That was fucking years ago. Um, and so, so management is my full-time thing, but I, I, but once Aussie retires, I really don't have any plans to continue to play i think at that point you know i transition into into you know leaving my on-stage career with that guy which is pretty fucking awesome i think well what an epic way to bow out you know no more tours to aussie good yeah. night blasco good night yeah yeah 
I think so. I think that's the way I always visualize it and stuff. And um, I would have no regrets of that because I did way more than I ever thought that I was going to do. Um, so that being said, you know, I think I can comfortably, you know, depart at the top of, <laughs> of my game. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's now, is that now 2023? Is that one of the other, another tour that's been pushed back yet another year? Is yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man. Yeah. Reti- retirement's still a ways off, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> When's the, the Aussie record, uh, which is set to come out soon. Are you on that? I'm not on that. Um, last couple of records he's made with um, a producer called, named, um, uh andrew watt and you know respectfully you know it's ozzy's record right his name's on the record and and andrew has a specific way of making records and to the point to where he's made huge ass records and won a grammy for it right so i'm not i'm not someone that's going to interrupt that process between those two guys um you know it's like i'm 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 there if they think that they need me um but otherwise man i'm over here fucking managing rock bands so i'm 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 good yeah it seems like as well like he hasn't really had like the full band for a while like you know zach and you kind of like come and go and you know as and when the as and when the bat signal flares like you'll you know respond to the call but it seems like not really since like trujillo mike bordin and and zach when it was like kind of that that was like the last band lineup it seemed like and and since then he's just been flexible and done what the fuck he wants and and why not right as you say it's aussie isn't it it's his name's on the record man you know so he can do whatever the fuck he wants and respectfully i i i love that um and uh and yeah and then so in terms of zach and i so we you know we put out the the, we re-recorded the first Black Sabbath record as Zach Sabbath put that out a little while ago. And um, we're, we are in the process of re-recording uh, Paranoid and Master of Reality as well. And we're going to release those at some point. Um, They're done, are they? Yeah. They're, well, the, it being done. The, 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 it's being done. So... Zach still has to do his stuff, but Joey and I have recorded our stuff for it already. So, um, but yeah, man, we're, so we're in the process of doing that. So um, yeah, man, either way, you know, still, still playing bass on, on, on something every, every so often. So, so it's, it's, I I still get to kind of scratch that itch from time to time. Well, that's the most fun, like, you know, party band, isn't it? And uh, I said this to Zach and I'll say it to you, like you guys treated me so good on that tour and I'm so grateful for that opportunity and experience like you know when you are in a, another band's world um you know it can go one or two ways and they can either invite you in or you know perhaps keep you at the door and either way is fine you know as you've kind of alluded to like it, it's not my name on the tour poster it's zach sabbath so right. just to be there is cool but the way you guys put the arm around me and, and welcome me into the family was was amazing man so thank yeah you. dude it was it was great that was a super fun tour and dude like once again, man, if we're talking about a, you know, whatever, a 12 year old kid, you know, getting into heavy metal for the first time and the shit that I have been around and experienced that 12 year old self would not believe any of it. So here we are, Matt on tour 
in Paris. And the show was awesome. You're DJing, doing our thing. I get up on stage with two amazing guys, right? Zach Wilde and Joey Castillo. I look over and Bruce Dickinson is on the side of the stage watching the whole show. Like, and I, I, that's fucking that, like I, I still, I can't, it's so hard to process that. Like, dude, I like playing on stage with Ozzy bonkers, but then just the fact that like, I'm in a dressing room and Rob Halford walks in well, hey, what's up? And then, and then like fucking Bruce Dickinson, like hanging out, like, like, Brian Johnson and Angus Young coming to a show and hanging out like this is this is not stuff that is normal and uh and it's just crazy dude you know what I mean it's just it's crazy to think back on on that because that was the last that was the last tour or that was the last time I played music was that tour because that was like what February 2020 and we came yeah, home and about when we locked down March the thing yeah and um and that was the, and that was the last thing I did. But thank God, it was the most fucking fun thing I've done, you know, <laughs> like in a long time. Yeah, that tour was fucking Birmingham great. We, on the fiftieth anniversary of that album as well, like as a you know a moment of symbolism. And it was, it was crazy, man. And 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 uh, and uh, and it was great to have you along. And um, and the shows were great. And uh, and yeah, dude, it was it was. I don't know. I can't say enough about it. It was a fucking fun time. Well, thank you again, man. And um, I love that you have this childlike enthusiasm for what you do still. As I said, it's rare. You know, I talk to a lot of people and everybody loves what they do. But when you genuinely love what you do to that point where it's like, I have to pinch myself every day still, um, that's really cool and inspiring to see and hear. Um, and yeah. I've, I've and really I mean, dude, it. I think that has a lot to do with it, right? Because it's like, Dude, I'm 52 years old, you know, and and people are like, like, dude, you don't look like you're 52. And I go, yeah, because I drink a lot of water, and I get to do heavy metal for a living. Like, how how can I get old if that's my plan? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm hydrated and I'm fucking rocking. Like, and I get to I get to rock, dude. All the, and I hang out with fucking cool people. Like, dude, I'm I, I'm like 52 going on 22, you know. And that's the way, that's the way I feel like my life is. It's like, dude, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm still that dude with like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest posters on the wall. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm still that dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I chat to a lot of people, man. And the lesson that I've taken from the large majority of these conversations is as long as you remove the booze and the drugs at a certain age, then a lifelong career in rock and roll keeps you young because of yep. just that energy and you know you're tapping into that the well the fountain of youth as long as as you say you stay hydrated and at a certain point put down the sauce and the powder and just focus on the music then you know look at people like ozzy and brian johnson yeah. and, and mick jagger i just saw the stones in austin when i was out there the guy's like over 80 years old and he's running around stage for like 90 minutes at a time you know with the kind of the fitness levels of somebody a third his age, let alone half. And that's rock and roll. Killing it. dude. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is the energy of rock that keeps that dude forever young. Rock and roll. Well, Blasco on that yeah. note, this has been awesome. Thank you for taking yes. the time. Thank you for everything. Of course. 
Um, and yeah, I will hit you up about Neil if that's all right. And um, yeah, absolutely. And I hope to see you soon, man. Like I might be out in LA potentially for the launch of my next book, um, which is going to be March next year. It was funny actually last year, my book came out on the same day as Andy's on Rare Bird, the exact same day. Oh, those books I didn't came realize out. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he and sold so what's significantly your, what's your more copies book? than me. <laughs> uh, the next one is just volume two. So same concept, oh. same premise, just another lineup of guests, another lineup of topics. And, um, yeah, and Rare Bird as well? Rare Bird as well. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I love yeah, Tyson, man. man. He's the best. He's awesome. As are you, my friend. I got to think, think about doing a book. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have an angle. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like, like that I don't heavy want metal be... tree idea. I like looking at it from that angle. Like, maybe you could, ex- you know, extend it to beyond just your story. And you look at the story of like that kind of 80s and 90s metal scene and how all of yeah. these stories and, you know, connections form and where they lead to. Like, a mind yeah, it is interesting. Of, of metal musicians. Yeah, it is interesting how that, yeah. But yeah, I, I want to do one. I just got to, I got to, maybe that is the angle. I just got to, I got to commit to a vision of, of what it is you know what i mean so well no time like the present dude i know yeah should have thought about it fucking two years ago right <laughs> whenever we hit the pandemic but i had plenty of free time then <laughs> um dude merry christmas man hope you have a great holiday you too. and uh you too. yeah thank you for everything again man this has been awesome of Always course email me about neil yeah i will nice one blast Hi, buddy Cheers, Thanks, brother buddy. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.